Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. everyone uh, for this episode of electric friends we meet well a true electric friend back in 1978 a certain pop duo broke through into the mainstream in the shape of dollar Teresa bazaar and david van day scored several massive hits over the next decade with their brand of catchy electro pop teaming up with iconic producer trevor horn on several of them with hits including mirror mirror give me back my heart and a cover of erasure's ola moore and in 1982, at the height of Dollar's fame, Theresa Bazaar joined up with Gary Newman on a couple of tracks as a backing vocalist. These tracks ended up being Noise Noise and Bridge What Bridge. Both tracks were the B-side to the top 10 single, Music for Chameleons, and they later appeared on re-released versions of the I Assassin album. So for this album, I caught up with Theresa to not only hear about her amazing career and new UK tour, but to also hear what it was like working with Gary back then. Uh, now, before I play the interview for all you audio files out there i had just bought a new laptop before the interview and while it's a great laptop i didn't realize that windows 11 has decided to have a few weird settings that makes your microphone sound dreadful um, as you can hear i have now fixed it thanks to a lot of youtube digging uh, but that's why i might sound a bit rubbish in comparison but anyway i'll speak to you at the end and enjoy the interview Teresa, thanks so much for appearing on Electric Friends. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited. Excited for <laughs> chat, and I'm in the UK, so I'm even more excited as opposed to having these weird time differences being stuck. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I bet. Well, you know, obviously, when it comes to um, yeah, 70s and 80s pop, which is a large part of this podcast, you know, you alongside David Van Day were one half of one of the UK's finest duos of all time. You know, Dollar was huge, was massive singles. You had some truly great songs, wrote your own music and worked with some amazing people as well. So what what are your first thoughts when you kind of first think back to say like 1978 and Dollar's breakthrough period? What was that when you think back at that? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's mind blowing really for me because part of it feels like it was sort of yesterday and I can make this little leap big leap whatever but I can just immediately go back to it and I can remember I can taste it sense it what it felt like but the other part of me goes is that really me did that really happen or was it just like a figment of my imagination because <laughs> you know because it's just it, it was so um the times were so incredibly in- exciting and, and um having fallen in love with pop music literally by accident I was sort of thrust into it when I wasn't even interested and suddenly thought how strange is life that this is actually my passion this is my love mm. and um and then to be sort of like get sort of like involved dollar started in 78 and um 
be right at that turning point um, creatively, you know, um, production-wise, sophistication-wise. I mean, you know, and, and and there was this massive, and it wasn't like a, a change of gear in a car. It was more like going through, it was like Concorde, you know, going through the sound <laughs> barrier. It really was. It was like this thrust and everything yeah. changed. You know, it, for me, it was almost like overnight. Of course, it wasn't. But suddenly all the sounds changed and everything went faster and it was glossier and clearer and cleaner and more technical and more complex. Um, fabulous. Yeah. Well, well, for those who don't know, then, like, how did you fall into music? So you obviously got, you know, an amazing voice and um, one of the greatest voices of that period as well. Yeah. How did you? How did that happen? Um, yeah, completely freak accident. I, um, I wasn't interested in pop music. I was besotted by ballet, therefore um, <clears throat> the commercial side of classical music, as I call it, you know, Chopin, Tchaikovsky, uh, Mozart, anything that was beautiful um, melodic structures. And then I realized sort of when I got to about 12, 13, that I wasn't going to cut it as a ballet dancer. I was pretty good technically. It wasn't the body sh- right body shape. And I thought, you know, what will I do? Oh, I'll sing and dance. And I was thinking more of musicals. Um, always watched Judy Garland when I was a kid. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, kind of thought, well, I'll, I'll just do that. So I started off doing a couple of pantomimes and then it went into this little touring show which was boys and girls who sang and danced and that show ended as in the great sort of um ethos you know gotta get another job any job answer any advert and of course there's an advert in the stage newspaper i sound like a dinosaur um and in the stage newspaper there's an ad girls and boys who can sing and dance and i went yep that's me and i go along for this audition it's for a pop group i had no idea i sang uh, my audition pieces this is how clued in i was West, uh, somewhere from West Side Story, and my speech was a was Puck from Shakespeare. That <laughs> 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 was just so straight, and I had long dark hair, and I wore a sort of below knee length A line skirt, and had a raincoat on. I mean, seriously, I looked like <laughs> Julie Felix, or but not. You know, it's, it was just extraordinary, and I think they just thought, "Gosh, she's a child, putty in our hands." <laughs> and then, um. Obviously, you you and David were in, in Guys and Dolls, and then you decided to yeah form Dollar and Breakthrough. Was that quite um, a scary decision at the time? Do that. Um, it was devastating because we got chucked out, so it wasn't mm. our decision to leave. Um, mm. out, and I was uh, yeah, I was heartbroken, devastated. There were my family. Um, David really couldn't care less. <laughs> it was just annoyed that he didn't get he didn't get chance to do it his way <laughs> and yeah. he got chucked. it's more like an ego thing for him uh yeah. I was so hurt I was like I couldn't work it out for months I kept going but gave the, everything and I was worked so hard and I I mean I did challenge creative decisions by then because by then I'd fallen in love with pop music every bit of mm. it and I was listening to productions and I was listening to song construction and all of that and I sort of I was um quite vocal but only I thought in a constructive way you know, I said, you know, if we don't move forward and choose better material and choose more modern production, we're going to become very set in our ways and everything. And I could feel the pace of things, but no one listened. And I just thought she's trouble, and they threw me out with him. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, nineteen seventy nine though was such an exciting time for music. You know, so much going on in the charts. You had like, yeah, disco, pop, new wave, reggae, ska, um, and then obviously synth synth pop was breaking through. And spearheaded, of course, by 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 Gary Newman as well. Yeah. And so so both Dollar and Gary were arriving on the scene at the same time. 
So do, do you remember like when you first heard about him and what he was doing at the time? Yes, I did. Um, although I was I, I was trying to play catch up. I always feel probably <laughs> a lot of my life I've been playing catch up <laughs> just because um, my sensibilities and music were, so, as I said, based on my upbringing as, as most of us um, most of us, that's who we become, but had a quite a, a narrow sort of traditional upbringing and, and teenagehood. Well, teenage, you know, I was 18 and I dropped into guys and dolls, but before that I was at a stage school and it was, I, I, I was very naive, let's put it that way. And I didn't mm. really, I, I wasn't a street kid. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was happening underground kind of movements and let alone a punk and skydive. I was mesmerized and I felt I was kind of very in my channel, but when I I remember um, walking along the corridors of Top of the Pops once, and Gary was there, but he looked he looked so serious and so in control of everything, and and kind of and all these other artists, you know, with his makeup, and you've got Susie and the Banshees, and you've got the post punk um, artists, and you've got everything, and I kind of felt so vulnerable because I felt so straight. <laughs> When everyone was doing their cool stuff and the rhythms were cool and everything, and there's me with my light sort of airy voice and kind of my image, because I was literally just being me, being authentic, you know, and kind of I sort of thought, wow, you know, am I a creative like them or am I just this sort of cardboard cutout some of the time? Because, I mean, I was, but I just, I wasn't cool. But we weren't cool. The music became very cool, but we were never cool. We were mm-hmm appealing to people who also weren't cool which is okay yeah well that was what was um a great amount of dollar is that yeah you could have gone down a certain route but then you you work with yeah like trevor horn and 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 rated some like what is just really great pop music and so it kind of separated you i think from from other bands of similar ilk if you know, if you know what i mean yeah i think so i mean even now it's sort of like quite reflective on certain aspects of my career. And um, I've always believed in authenticity. I mean, probably my downfall, you know, that I've never wanted to just, oh, I'll just pretend to do that because it's much, much cooler. Now. And everyone will go, oh, wow, she's really like picked her game up and she's done it. But I've never done that because I, I always think people will see through me. And that's mm-hmm. much scarier than just being yourself and saying, well, this is me. If you don't like it, that's okay. Although I wanted everyone to like me back then. I think when you're in your when you're young, you always want everyone to like you, don't you? Because it's sort of your vulnerability. Now I'm 68, I couldn't care less for me. It's just, <laughs> you know, this is me. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, well, that's okay. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, it was just an amazing time. But my voice was, um, it was very different. And of course, you're coming out of the, um, the 70s when the only women in the charts, they all were mostly leads. They were either I think it was two categories. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was either the big lead singers with the big voices, you know, even from Shirley Bassey or, you know, Dusty and Petula Clark and Scylla Black and all of this sort of stuff. Or then you've got the other end of the spectrum with Peters and Lee, where you've got like the the, the just the dress the dressing on the stage, basically, with very little contribution. Um, hopefully yeah. that's not rude. But um Dollar was a little bit different, you know, because it was meant to be sharing sharing the stage together but it was always male vocals are the lead vocals and mm. girls are the icing we are the froth and mm. it was really um 
it was the mistake with Love's Got a Hold of Me that changed that uh, with the first album with Chris Neal because it was mm. meant to be, I mean, I wrote that, that it was meant to be David's vocal because, of course, that's the formula. David sings the mm. lead and I do all the block ups, which is the air and the wall, the sound, sort of like the carpenters at the back. And um, and he couldn't sing it. He just didn't. He just didn't. And Chris Neal looked at me in the studio and went, didn't you write this? I went, mm-hmm. And he said, it's in David's key. I went, Mm-hmm. It's very, very quiet. And he said, it's not working. It's Ellen. No. And he said, you go and have a go. And my, I just looked at him and I went, no, no, no. I said, not my key. That's not the plan. Yeah. Go on, have a go. He's so charming. Chris knew what mm-hmm. a gorgeous guy, so talented. And um, I did. And I was actually shaking. I was terrified because I like to be prepared. And I was standing there. And I, I it's gonna be so high. I'm kind of like I've got a high voice, but this was high. It was not even starting yeah. mid range and going high. It was so high, and uh, and I did the first bit, and I just saw this sort of thumbs up through the mirror with a big grin, and I went, "Really?" He goes, "Really, really." And, he, and I go, "Well, should I take it from the top?" They said, "Do whatever you like," <laughs> and that's what we did. It's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was. Probably one of the most terrifying moments of my life. In that in that way, then I guess, and I suppose Kate Bush came around at the same sort of time as well. Is that there was that helped spearhead the eighties? You know, people like Kim Wilde being able to come through and um, be front and centre uh, for this kind of music as well. So that, that must have that must felt feel good that you were part of that. Yeah, and it wasn't no one. People had different. I mean, Toya. Everyone had mm. different kinds of voices. It wasn't just the blockbuster traditional lead vocalist singer. You know, female lead vocalist. It wasn't like that. Um, and that did give me some confidence. But um, I always felt, you know, I just always felt defensive because my voice is tiny. It's kind of like if you sort of. I've always tried to sort of put it into. I like making sort of painting visual pictures. So do Trevor used to have incredible conversations as about very strange images but it worked for us but my voice you know if you could I feel like I'm a gymnast on a balance beam because my voice is a pure signal but it's a very it's a pointy very narrow width and um, with a whole load of air around it you know and it's very different to someone who's got a lovely meaty big rounded sort of voice I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum, and that's much harder to to deal with. And it only um, it's only my voice is only suitable for certain kinds of vocal structures. You know, it just that's just how it is. 
Well, um, well, one song where that did work perfectly was in yeah, 1982 um, when you teamed up with Gary. Um, so tell us how that first came about and, you know, how did you get to know him? How, how did that happen? I'm trying to remember. It's a long time ago. There's so much going on. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure his management, which is his dad, wasn't it, um, got in touch with probably we were on WEA by then. And I think that's how it happened. But um I remember getting a phone call saying, Gary Newman wants you to go and sort of like do a bit on his record. And I just went, really? And I still remembered what that feeling was when we were in Top of the Pops. And it was just, I was so sort of like so um, humbled, you know, like in his presence thinking, oh my gosh, and he's he's young, but look what he's achieved. And he's so, mm. he's, he's unique. Um, and so um, ended up having a conversation and then he explained and I think it was a conversation about vocal sounds. And he just said, he just, he's one of the few people that said, I love the air around your voice. Mm. And it made me feel so sort of happy to think that someone actually liked that, you know, wanted me for that quality and wasn't kind of go, well, where's the voice? And how many times are we going to have to layer up to get the the, the, the sound, you know, whereas yeah. he, wanted, he wanted my sound, which was um, such a compliment. And so the song um, "Noise, Noise." Um, yeah, what, what what do you remember about recording that track? Was did you say was he in the studio with you at the time? Yeah. Then when yeah, that yeah, 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 was with me. But we just um, it was just so easy because of course he, he his his ear is so good. Mm. He knew exactly what he wanted to hear, and he just said, well, "This is you know it's your sound, and I just want you to create your sound over this bit." And I went right, wind me up. Where's the mic? And off we go. Which was. Because he he knew what he wanted, you know, and that that's a, a comfort, you know, um, because as I said, if someone had I'd gone in and said, "But I want you to do this," and I would have gone, "I don't, really, can't really do that," you know, you're going to be disappointed. So um, it it was a lovely interaction, it was, and um, yeah, it was a breeze. It sounded so good. It sounds, it sounds like I feel like um, it's only a small element, obviously, but I feel like it did enhance. Oh yeah, the record. Yeah. What's it to you? People have said that um, that song should have been like the the A side at the time, and, and if anything, yeah. it didn't it didn't inspire him to um, start using female backing singers a lot more in his music. So I don't think he'd done that much at that point, if at all. So that was um that was really good. And, and were you also on um, Bridge What Bridge as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but much much less that's still there. But it was just it was interesting noise noise. Yeah, because even I went. Gosh, it was such an interesting sound that he was creating. Mm. You know, and it's yeah. kind of, 
I love being in the studio. I mean, I kind of was, you know, one of the boys always. It was my favorite place. Just used to hang out and come listen to things and just, yeah, it was, it was like a playground for me, just watching what people did and a bit of experimentation here and there. So good. And obviously he's like obviously changed over the years and, and he's um, still going strong as well. But what was he like as a person back then? Um, was he was he came across as um, a bit shy and, and whatever, but I'm sure in the studio, as you say, he was do what he wanted. And, yeah, yeah there's, it's interesting, isn't it, that people have such different sort of like personalities and ways of doing things, but he he um very... um quiet you know like like a, a quiet way of approaching things quite intense but in a non-threatening way you know just intense mm-hmm. but all about the music and the sound but just in a very quiet considered kind of way which I like I like that I don't like dramas and all that stuff just doesn't mm-hmm. do much for me and I'm a bit like Trevor Horn the same kind of mm-hmm. thing considered kind of charming in a very understated way, you know, that kind of thing. And it's um it's a nice way to work. As I said, it doesn't always have to be high energy and, and sort of like frenetic and stuff. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's also like sort of like balloons that kind of popping off everywhere. Whereas I kind of like things that are much more stable. So Gary was very stable, but very um understated. Did you, did you uh, have you seen him in recent years? Have you ever caught up since then? Or oh, yeah, I haven't. But I've been um, <laughs> since I've been in there, involved in social media, which I have to say I shied away from from so many years. And it was only <laughs> January the first. I went. That's it. This is my resolution. Just because I'm writing a book, and um, my literary publisher, who's a fabulous um, chap in London, he goes, "We've got some really strong interest here, but." gone to acquisition and they just say your social media is just not and I blinked him and I said that's important right he just laughed at me <laughs> yep and I went okay so you're not asking me but you're sowing the seed that if I want and he said mm-hmm and I went yeah okay so you've got to give people what the, the tools they need to work with so I started this year so I've been watching and then Gary's daughter um gosh what's her name um uh, Raven 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 yeah. isn't it? Mm. Just what a beauty, but but you can just must be this incredible talent that was just she's inherited. Um, and I've heard a couple of snippets of things, just um, phenomenal. So I mean, as that's also lovely to see, isn't it? When you when you've got um, sons or daughters uh, from a, such an artist carrying on the tradition, you know, it must give him such pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's um, say the year actually the year before, yeah, the year before noise noise came out. Then Dollar returned with you know I, I'd argue some of your best tracks like Mirror Mirror and um, there's a bit of Gary esque synth pop to it as well. So what was it like to you talked about Trevor Horn a bit, but what was it like to be in the room with him who was at the top of his game at the time um, as well? Well, was he at the top? Of, I mean, well, he, yeah, he had, cast, he had no game. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he had no game. He was not interested. He was. Oh really? Quite disambivalent, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but he agreed. I mean, I can be quite persuasive, and and kind of if I know something musically, I know it. I mean, I kind of that's that's something, and I will be, I will fight fiercely for what I think is something that is worth fighting for. And um, so we met up in a little Japanese restaurant in in Soho, uh, in London, and um, he wasn't interested at all. He was just being polite because Trevor's so polite, and uh, it's only when 
was sort of like filling in conversation basically I'd go well what have you guys got you know planned for the rest of the year and I sort of said oh I think it might be the end of this year we're going to Tokyo for the Yamaha Music Festival and bang his eyes lit up behind his glass he went Tokyo I said mm-hmm. he went Japan I said yeah I said oh because I mean you know those days when we're sitting in Japanese it was just he he just had this little was intrigued so um spoke a bit more about that and he just said look I'm going for a writing session tonight with Bruce Woolley and if anything comes up I'll call you and I went away so dejected I thought well, I did my best and I don't think that's going to happen and what are we going to do mm. and blow me down the next morning he called me he said I had a pretty good session last night with Bruce he said so much so that we put down this demo and um thought and traveling I thought you and David just might like to pop over and put some vocals on it in this very casual and I and I'm kind of like wanting to leap down the phone and hug him you know I was going I said oh I think that would be all right (laughs) trying to take his lead and just don't be don't be sort of like gushing you know just calm down a bit and uh, we went we went to the um, demo studio that night and that that was handheld in black and white that was the demo that he actually uses some of those parts actually on the mark And they wrote mirror mirror same session. I mean, yeah. unbelievable, isn't it? Just just but yeah. that was just just something, and and then that's how it all started from just just from there. And then he realised, I think, also that there's so many different dimensions to pop music. And I think even he and he was just you know you think someone's got it all everything in in a row. He didn't. Neither did Christy. I used to think they're so old and so. So, you know, in control, they're not really. They're mm-hmm. just big creators and kind of once right foot, left foot, <laughs> see where it takes you. Um, yeah. But it was it was um, stunning sort of meeting of um, his ideas and the musicians that he used and his his creativity. I mean, hand-tattled black or white, you might be interested. He even explains in his book, he got the drummer because we're still using live musicians. And he's got the drummer to play just with one stick. Mm-hmm. Just try and get a little bit, a little bit more urgent, but in a kind of a different anything to just. It's so subtle, but all these subtleties that you actually weave together create something different. And Trevor was all about different, but not clumsy, not clumsy different. Something that just catches the ear, whatever that might be. And um, and yeah, and then we started playing with my boss, and. Um, Fell in love with a fair like, fell in love with the machine, you know, that was it. Fair like love me back. So that was <laughs> quite something really. Obviously, you're back um, in the UK for a tour, which is very exciting. So, to tell us how uh, that came about and what fans can expect from from these shows. Oh well, um, yeah. So, uh, 
all comes back to the book, really. Well, it's COVID, yeah. really, silver linings to the book, to mm-hmm. I need to have a bit more exposure. And part of the book towards the end is a memoir. And it's like lots of fun about the silly, the 80s and what happened and all those sort of the ups and downs. And um, but, but, and I sort of like, had, I've got to have an ending. I like endings, I like to know how the structure is. And I must have thought, mm-hmm. well, it's sort of then about me, isn't it? And aging and how people manage and ageism and how we say all to ourselves, oh, I don't think you should do that because I don't think you've know, you, you missed the boat with that. And I think you're a bit old to be doing that. And I'm thinking, what rubbish? And I thought, mm. well, if I really want to do something. What would I do? I said, sort I'd of like to go and do a tour, meet some, meet some fans, reacquaint myself with friends, make new friends, um, explore music. And so working with a live band is going to be a big treat for me. I never got to really do that. Be reunited with David a few times over the years, but now there's a new partnership as well on this tour. So yes, you can tell right. us a little bit about that as well. So that is Water Under the Bridge. Um, yeah. So it's, it's Teresa Bazaar's dollar being very explicit. It's doing it yeah. my way. Um, we're doing some different treatments, not not touching the iconic moments because that would be disappointing. Mm-hmm. But um, some of the album tracks we actually have reworked. Oh my gosh, one of them oh, is nice. so exciting. There's a bit of an unplugged set as well, working some different harmonies and approaching things differently. So it's quite a musical, it's a musical nostalgic journey with a lot of sparkly pop bits in between. I think that's probably a nice way of putting it. And um, yeah, Stephen Fox, he partnered me in, um, in 2019 when I just did a one woman show just to sort of dip my toes in. And uh, he's phenomenal. He's got a phenomenal voice. It's a massive voice. He's going, I'm going to have to tone it down a bit. I said, in places got a really good sound engineer and I'm going to have so much gain on my mic that it doesn't matter I said you go for your life darling because I will be right up there in the heavens with yeah. this kind of the glassy quality you know it's all about I love sound as you can possibly tell I love mm. it you know it's just the case of but you've got to get it right you've got to get it right so um the band I think are a bit fearful because we've been doing a couple of things over Zoom that we're all going to meet up over, over the weekend and begin and they're kind of going oh my gosh I'm going no no I'll be lovely but only if you're paying attention you know don't yeah. change the riffs don't change the syncopation don't change anything that's integral yeah. and I'm fierce about that and I think Gary would be or anyone would be you know because there are certain things that yeah bone of a, of a record it's not the, the tinsel bits on the top it, it's the it's the um, foundation and it's so important yeah, yeah. And fans, will know, fans will know we could talk music all morning you and me I think we really could <laughs> I'm more than happy to <laughs> um, but yeah look uh, it's going to be a must uh, see I think for any fans of pop anyway but generally definitely from the 80s and um, I'm sure it's going to be a great show and so, and I really look forward to the book oh, as well sounds like that's going to be yeah, a great read so I think you know what you said is right it's not just it's not going to be just a Oh, Teresa and Stephen dancing about on stage, you know, it's, mm. it's going to be so much meatier and more substantial than that. It's going to be a proper musical journey. And also it, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a nod to production values and how things changed yeah. and, and songwriters and music producers. And that's kind of what I'm going to be chatting about a little bit, you know, all the way through because it, it's teamwork. Of course it is. I mean, the artists are just the icing on the cake. It's all the other elements that go into make great music. Of course it is. And I don't think they ever get their rightful place in history. I no. mean, the Trevors, yes, but, you know, maybe the one notch down. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Not enough. And that, for me, they are they are the absolute fundamental sort of 
um, essence of pop, really, the producers and the musicians and the writers. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's, it's been yeah brilliant speaking to you. Uh, sorry, thanks so much for your time today on Electric Friends. And yeah, massive good luck with the tour. Thank you ever so much, my darling. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait to hear it. I hope it's good. And if I've waffled on too much, you can just, you can edit some of it out. Of course you can. We have the technology. So great to speak to Teresa Bazaar. Um, I really enjoyed meeting her. I could have spoken with her about music and those times for hours and hours. A really lovely person and I wish her great luck on her Ola Tour tour and for her upcoming book as she revealed there. Um, you can follow her on all the usual social platforms and if you head to ents24.com or if you give it a Google search you can find all her tour dates. It all kicks off on September 20th. So I'll be back next time with a regular episode of Electric Friends where we'll head back to the telecon era and a certain Newman ballad. But for now, thanks for listening. Head to newmanpodcast.com for more. Follow me at newmanpodcast on socials or email me at newmanpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon. Celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. pioneer.